and also to share with us uh, today's passage as well. So, Lord, please. It's a bit over 38 years ago that I left my home in Canada to come to Asia. And uh, somehow I've stayed here, and I'm still here. It's all by God's grace. I came when I was single, um, and an amazing thing happened. I found another Canadian in Malaysia. Her name was Ruth. Uh, One day I went down on my motorbike and picked her up. And uh, she joined me and stayed with me since that time. Uh, She'll tell you the true story one day. Um, We have two children. Both of our children were born in South Thailand, uh, where we worked. Uh, We worked way down in the the three southern provinces, where you hear uh, that they have some troubles from time to time. Um, We maybe caused some of those troubles, I don't know. Uh, But... We lived down there, and uh, they were challenging days, all of them. Uh, We were there for 16 years, and uh, we have many good friends there. And then we moved up to Bangkok and lived there for another 16 years, and uh, then we moved to Singapore in 2008. The Lord has been good and gracious, and uh, I don't regret the years I've spent in Asia. I'm grateful to the Lord for the many memories, whether they've been memories of of joy or memories of pain, because God is with us. Um, I could tell you uh, many stories about our lives, but uh, today I would like to come back and I'll tell you a few stories, but I'd like to share it from the perspective of God's word here in Matthew chapter 16. Um, Since this service has no ending, um, we can go a long time, correct? (laughs) The other one we had to be finished soon, so uh, I'll try and uh, not keep you all afternoon. We come to verse 13 and we see that Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And it was at this city uh, where he stood with his disciples. And uh, when I studied in a little bit about this city, I discovered that this city was built on a huge rock. And this rock was about uh, 100 feet high. And uh, this city was known as a pagan city. It had been built by Herod Philip, a son of Herod the Great. And in this place, the people worshipped false gods, including Baal or Baal. And uh, just several miles away is the city where they had set up the golden calf on a high place. In this rock, they had carved many different gods. And it was also a place of the god of fertility, uh, fertility god of the mountains and the forest. It could also be noted as a cliff 
that could be referred to as the Rock of the Gods because the idols and statues of gods and goddesses were placed into small crevices within this building. And so we have this great big rock that represents other gods, that represents a wicked world, that represents everything that is not godly, including animistic practices, including people who deny there is a true living God. Now, if I could come down and walk down your aisle, and I won't do it because you might be afraid, and if I could pretend I was Jesus and I walked down and I said, I want you to be my disciple, come on out. And I want you, and by the time I got through, I asked for 12 of you, and so you became my followers. Now, if you think about the calling of the disciples, did they have any choice? If you remember through the, the stories of their lives, Jesus went and he called them one by one. Did any of them say no? Uh, when I read the scriptures, I don't remember any of them saying no. We know there was a traitor amongst them. But I don't remember anybody saying no. So here Jesus stands with these disciples who said yes. And they're in front of this great big rock that represents everything else. And if I asked you 12 to come up here and stand with me, would you say no? Jesus gives us a picture of the nation's right there in those rocks. And if we stand here today or sit here in this room, what is the picture of the nations around us? We're faced with the great challenges in ministry, actually the greatest challenges. We, we heard about Ethiopia today. But here in Asia, we have the challenge of communism. We have the challenge of Buddhism. We have the challenge of Islam. And we have the challenge of Hinduism. And they're like that rock. You can't get inside. I remember in my first year's working with Buddhist peoples and still not really understanding their heartbeat and their, their worldview and their thinking. And I would talk to them about Jesus. And I had young people just like you coming to my home and I'd talk to them and share. And I remember them sitting there and listening. And then I'd say, do you want to believe? And they'd say, yes. And then I'd say, let's get on our knees. And we'd get on our knees. And then they would pray. 
the next morning when I met them, I said, so what's it like? You made a decision yesterday, and what's it like today? And they said, teacher, you're so boring. We didn't want to listen to that story about Jesus. And so the only way we could stop listening is just get down on our knees and pray and you'd stop. I was so disappointed. My experience working with Buddhists takes many years till they get a grasp and understand what it means to know the true living God. It's not an overnight thing. They can change their religion overnight, but they can't have a change of heart overnight. And there's very few Buddhists who've come to Christ that I know they've been transformed in a moment. It's been years. I appreciated Carlson sharing about the experience with the Muslims today. You know, we have some treasures that they talk a lot about. Do you know what those treasures are? They actually talk about four holy scriptures. Did you know that? How many of you know that? They have the Holy Quran. They have the Injil. Do you know what the Injil is? It's the Gospels. They have the Zabur, which are the the works of uh, David and Solomon, Psalms and Proverbs. And then they have the Torah. The thing is, those three holy books, uh, they very seldom will have. But we have them. And those three treasures, we can gladly share with them. They might think they're tainted, they might think, oh, someone's translated them and they're tainted. That's fine. But they're holy treasures that are part of their treasury as well. And you can maybe hide one openly on your desk if you work in an office with friends so they can then open it. Actually, if you have one there and then you every day put it in your drawer so when you go home then they can go to your drawer and pull it out and open and read it it might be better we stand with these giants and we wonder how can we reach the world some of these giants live quite close to us our next door neighbors where we live in Singapore here, uh, are Buddhists. The husband is from Malaysia and the wife is Japanese. And uh, ever since we moved to Singapore, they've been our neighbors for five years. 
And so our heartbeat is, how can we touch our neighbors? So what do you do? Just go straight to the elevator, go down the elevator, go wherever you're going, come home, come up the elevator, go in. Or do you go next door and knock on the door and say, how about coming over for Christmas Day and we'll have a meal together? We've had them over to our home. They've had us to their home. When they came to our home, they saw that we did a strange thing. We prayed. And so when we went to their home, they waited for us to do the strange thing and asked me to to do a prayer. And what a wonderful opportunity to pray and ask God to bless these people. And gradually we pray and trust God that this couple and their children will come to know Jesus. But it's been five years of being their neighbor. And all of you are young and you're thinking about buying your own home here in Singapore. Whatever apartment that will be or whatever HDB that will be or whatever condo that will be. And have you ever thought of asking the Lord to put you in the hard places? To put you in the heartlands where you're going to be settled right in an apartment where there's no other believers. And ask them there in front of that great wall to be Jesus to these people. Or have you thought about going to the other places where it's all malaise and asking the Lord to give us a home amongst these people? It's not going to be a day of sharing the gospel. It's going to mean a life of being watched But it's also going to be something of a sacrifice because if you move in there, then you're going to have to give those people some time. And one of the issues that we face in Singapore is the church is so busy. We had some people come to our home for an evening meal one time and uh, they arrived at 6 p.m. and as he arrived in he said now it's 6 p.m. our children are going to go for a swim for 20 minutes then they're going to come up and it's going to take five minutes to have a a shower and take uh and uh get dried off and then we'll eat for uh 20 minutes and then we need to leave and they gave us the time boom 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 does that sound like singapore Sunday morning, we need to go to church. And then afterwards, we go and have a meal somewhere. And then we need to go visit our mother's parents. And then we need to go visit our father's parents. And then we need to go visit our parents and our wife's parents. And then we need to go... And we're so busy that if we talk about reaching the heartlands of this city, if we talk about reaching the unreached peoples of this city, we have no time. And Jesus says to his disciples as they stand there in this front of this wall, he says, Who do people say the Son of Man is? 
If people looked at you and they look at me, they'll say, this son of man, this living Jesus, takes these people into a club and hides them away from the peoples of the land. And some will say he's a prophet. And some will say he's a good man. He made a lot of merit. And others will say we're free thinkers. We have no beliefs. There is no true living God. And the disciples, they replied together, Some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And they talked about these prophets. And they didn't say there that some of the scribes and some of the Pharisees said that he had a, he was like he was one who had a devil living in him. He was mad, he was crazy. Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's a very short and yet a very full confession of faith. It contains these thoughts. There is a God. There is but one God. There is the true living God. He is the God who has life. And he can give this fountain of life to others. He is not like the idols of the Gentiles. Jesus is the Christ. The Christ and the Christ of God, the true Messiah. He was promised by the prophets. He's been from the very beginning, before the world was formed. His people are looking for him. He is one who was a prophet, a priest, and a king all together. He's been anointed by God. He's not just a man. He's a true living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you but by man, but my Father in heaven. When God speaks, he reveals himself. And I wonder, does God ever reveal himself to you? Or do you just come here to meet your friends? you just come here because you think it's good for the family? Or do you really come here to say, I came today to listen to the Lord? And if he calls me and says, step out and be my disciple, I will say yes.
Oh, don't get uncomfortable with me, you might think or you might say. Don't, please don't look me in your eyes. I wish I could look into your hearts. No, I I wish I couldn't. I don't want to see. But if we had these imaginary eyes where we could just pierce the inside and get a grip of your heart, that's God's job. I don't need to do that. He looks right inside. He reveals himself to you. And then he says, what are you going to do about it? If you really believe that I am the true living God and we think about mission, what are you going to do about it? I remember one time as I was on the street and I was visiting the different shops Just down from where I was visiting, there was a Kodak shop. And Mr. Kodak, I'll call him, he was in his early 60s. He came out, he saw me, and he got all excited. He said, please come to my shop. Please come to my shop. I need to talk to you now. And I said, let me finish in this shop, and then I'll come to yours. And he was so excited. He said, last night I had a dream. And in my dream, Jesus came and talked to me. And then I asked Jesus, I asked him, who can help me understand and know this true living God, Jesus Christ? And Jesus said to him, that uh, missionary, that uh, foreigner that lives on the other side of town, uh, He knows me, and he can tell you. So here I was. And I went back, and I talked, and I told, and I read the scriptures, and I shared with him. I gave him the parts of the word of God. And as far as I know, that man has still, well, he's probably dead by now because he would be very old, but he didn't believe You see, God reveals himself. And we have that choice to say yes or to say no. The time flies by. Move down. Verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, and I want you to note the word must, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. You can actually say he must go to Jerusalem and must suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and that on the third day he must be raised to life. This was God's path. And Peter, you know, sort of takes them away. They're standing in front of this big rock with all of this stuff behind it. 
Peter sort of takes him off and he says, now just hold it, Jesus. Don't say those kind of things. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned and he said, out of my sight you're a stumbling block or a stumbling rock to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. The things that stop the work of God are usually his people. I saw in your bulletin you have a cry for help at Batam. No volunteers. I heard again as they made the announcements they had to change the dates so it's inconvenient for any of you to go. Your plans are more important than Batam. Sorry, speaking a bit straight. I'll be gone soon so that'll be okay. Yeah, we... God wants to do something. He wants to use us. And we're the ones that say, nope, I don't like those plans. I don't like that way. Um, I'm not going there. Well, let's go to verse 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Have you ever heard of the Cambridge Seven? Uh, Who were they? Yeah, one was C.T. said. There were seven men in Cambridge that fell in love with China. I don't know if they thought they fell in love with China or not, but they had a real heartbeat for China. And these guys, they egged each other on until all seven of them went to China. It was like a powerful drive. And together they said, we're going to go to China. And God took each of them in different ways. C.T. Studd finally ended up in Africa. Don't forget, they were all really strong people. But they all went. And God used each of those seven men in amazing ways. And some stayed in China for their whole life. Others had to return because of poor health. But they carried on. And God transformed people's lives. And today we can sit back and say, Wow! Those seven men made a difference. So the Singaporean church sometimes says, Well, the seven women will make a difference.
and the seven men sit idly by. Sorry, it was a bit too pointed. I was recently up in Northwest West China in Urumqi, and I went to a prayer meeting for the Kazakh people. who are Muslims up in that city, a quiet, hidden away prayer group. Only special people that pray for that can go there. It's not open to the rest. And I was invited in. I went with a couple of other colleagues. I was stunned because there were eight women at that prayer meeting. And only myself and my colleagues were men. And I'm thinking, where are the men? What are they doing? What would it take for the men to take up their cross and to follow Jesus? and go up into northwest China to give their lives in order that these Muslim peoples might hear and know. Sorry, I'm being a bit rough on the men, uh, but it's okay. The Lord Jesus loves the men too. And then I went to a grave up in Arumchi, there were two missionary graves, people from CIM. In one of those graves, it had written on it, to what purpose? Written in English, this plaque. So I went to see what it said, and there was a young man. He died before he was 30. He was a medical doctor. He'd come from the UK and he was sent out because God had called him to northwest China. But he only lived for six months there. And he died because he got typhus from helping in a rebellion and caring for the soldiers. To what purpose? Anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. And there are those that go, and God blesses them with the hundreds, with the thousands that respond to the gospel. And yet there are those that go to these people on this wall, as I've told you about here in Asia, where they give a life and they see a half a dozen, they see a dozen, they see 20, 40, 60 people, or maybe they don't see any people and they give their lives out. Some of my heroes are those that have gone to work with Muslim peoples 
One such man was George Harris. He went to Shining. When I was in Shining, I went and I stood on the steps of that mosque. It's built like a Chinese temple. The roof is all like a Chinese temple. And there he stood and he held up the posters and he preached to those people. He spent 35 years in northwest China. Some of his children were buried there. They died there. And then it was time when they were kicked out of China and he came into South Thailand. I never met him, but he was in South Thailand before I was, and he spent about ten years there. Gave their lives. Wonderful stories of how God intervened, and yet if you went and talked to George and said, how many people came to Christ? There won't be very many. And so I asked, I said, are there groups of believers in northwest China? And they said, yes, we know of some. It's taken a lifetime. Time with God means nothing. Because God is at work through our lives. And as we heard that beautiful picture from Revelation, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and there will be a host of people who will be worshipping Jesus, and all the peoples of the world will be there. And certainly our lives that have been poured out in mission work will see the fruit of the lives that have been given. For Ruth and myself, one of our greatest joys has been to go into southern China. From the first family that believed in South Thailand, this little girl who we thought would go no nowhere grew up, went to university, came to study here in Singapore at Discipleship Training Center. And I was spent more than 12 years working in China. When Ruth and I visited her, she took us to the different groups of believers that she was shepherding. And she said to these people, I want you to meet your grandparents. It was so humbling. It was beyond our dreams. And it didn't make any sense. But it's the mystery of God's wonderful grace. And brothers and sisters, if Jesus speaks to you about mission, about giving your lives, don't worry about the cost. It will be costly. It's costly to follow Jesus. But the cost when you think about it, really doesn't matter because it's all forgotten. And you come through and you walk through those years and you see the glory of God. You experience His greatness, His faithfulness. 
His love and His mercy. You see lives that are changed. And most of all, you see your own life being molded and melted and made anew. And you come to the end like I am myself. And you say, I don't regret it. In fact, if only I had another life to live, I'd go to northwest China and start again. If only I had another life to live, I'd do a few more studies and I'd go into Bhutan and work amongst the Buddhist peoples of Bhutan where there are so few believers. If only I had another life to live, I'd think about my education and get a bit more and go into North Korea. And so the challenges go on. It's worth every minute of it. And I challenge you as a church, look at the people sitting in the pews and ask God, who is it that you are putting aside for your kingdom work? And when the call comes to go to Batam, and you hear that still small voice to go. Don't sit there idly by and say, I've got too many commitments. Make new ones. Make new ones. Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts and don't let us Forget what you're saying to us. Help us not to be afraid if you call us to be your disciples. And then we stand before that great rock, as it were, with all of its challenges. But we stand there because Jesus is in our midst, and he is our God. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.